you said that I'm willing to give you money and put money in your company, but you need to move out of here. Being in a strip mall and you're a manufacturer is not going to work. Hello, this is Ryan with All Thread Voice, a podcast about business, life, and strategy. Hopefully, be inspired to do it yourself or just sit back and listen as we talk about the early days of ACS Home and Work. As always, I'm joined with Ted Parrish, my dad, founder, friend, and business partner in ACS Home and Work, known as Authred Inc. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about growth. We're going to be talking about his third location, the location that's in a retail strip mall, and he's going to talk about the, the early days of growing and getting a mentor and learning some essential skills while doing it. Thank you for subscribing and listening to the podcast. We're sorry we did not put out an episode last week. Our focus has been on our print shop uh, the last couple weeks and all the kind of stress, stress that have gone, gone along with running our shop. And with the current situation, it hasn't made it, little, hasn't made it easier. Um, thank you for your patience and continue to thank you for your support. So how how was your week? It was good. It, it's kind of weird because we talked last time about like the new normal and kind of getting used to the situation we're in. And now it seems like it's not the new normal. Now it seems like, okay, what is the new normal? And we're just trying to navigate where we're at, where we're going with us. So I think in some ways this week was a little more challenging. Yeah, I think for me, I just wanted to see, like, new normal and unprecedented, like, be banned words. Like, I'm getting tired of hearing both of those words. Uh, I think it's just a situation that we all have to adapt to. And I think that's I think that's just part of life is, especially being in business, is, like, you have to adapt to every situation. And it's just, it's part of I guess how you run a business is there's always going to be something that's a setback and you have to adjust to it. And I think for me this week is just like learning how to run a print shop by myself and be able to print by myself and do all the tasks that are that facilitate getting a print to press. Um, doing that by myself for the first time is a big learning process and it's not something that comes naturally. Yeah, it forces you to be extremely organized. You you can't have much mood in that. Yeah, and I think it really I think working working by yourself it also helps you like see the waste because if you have other people Oh yeah, that's a good point. If you have other people then, you know, it's easy to cover up the waste because there's more people to do the work and so then then you're not really focused on how to make the process efficient because you have the luxury of more hands to do it but then in the same point like the waste is more evident yeah yeah or more concealed too you don't necessarily see it yeah totally and i think it's better to go back to to the the basics um and really start um from the beginning and redo it um because you know what we're going to be talking about this week is you know the third location of the business and kind of the strip mall location um, and I don't know what, I guess before we get into it, what are your thoughts from basically starting from the basic is, 
you know, when you ran ACS from, you know, the beginning days, you ran it from the truck and you either had, you know, family or you had, you know, an employee do a lot of the work, you know, um, what are your kind of thoughts before we get into the conversation about going back to the basics? Yeah, that's the part that I don't quite understand. Not getting back to basics, I understand that. But I've been hearing that from other business because we work with small business and we have one account that I really like, and it's one of our larger accounts. And he said his wife and himself, and I think they have one or two employees kind of like us, um, they're getting back to the basics. And I've heard that from other businesses. And uh, it, it's interesting that I guess, you know, you use the analogy about sharks and they know he's got to eat. And I think there's some truth to that because there's some natural instincts to run in a business. And part of the natural instinct, I think, the businesses that are survivalists and that are here for the, the long term and they're, they're going to fight, it, I think that's in their DNA is to go back to the basics. We're, we're not the only one doing this. And and I think there's a lot of value in that because, uh, yeah, like you said in the beginning, I've always had people to help and grow and and kind of get us to where we're at. But we never had a time that we actually stopped and like went back. And remember, we listened to that podcast. We've been scratching our head for over a year. We listened to that podcast on a trip out to Brooklyn and how that guy started over. But it'd be pretty hard for us to stop and start over the way we were going. And this gave us that chance. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and it's really, I think, understanding how to deliver value. You know? Exactly. And then also there's other production, the other production principle of go and see for yourself. And I think... By, you know, I think by having the current situation, basically having all the staff stripped away from you, then you can, it really forces you to go and see for yourself by doing the, the process yourself and really spending time in that area. And I think that's what the customers and businesses I'm talking to are doing and not realizing exactly at the Gimba, they're, it's forcing them to go see for themselves, to do for themselves. And I think for a lot of business, this was going to make them stronger, better. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is the weakest, the weakest ones are going to not survive. You know, unfortunately, and not necessarily weak by bad business or weak by lack of money. I, I, I think like possibly can be contributing factors, but I think there's also weakness in strength. And strength meaning not taking the time to go back to the basics, not willing to fight. Um, you know, it's still, it's, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And it still gets back to that. And, and I think you're right. You know, you, you might have had a, a business that was struggling, you might not have a lot of cash, might have had some other issues. But if, if you got some fight, you know, in you, there's a lot of value in that and and going back to the basics and and keeping at it you're you're going to get through this yeah and it's just like you know john john cash penny you know jc penny you know they they seem to have kind of lost their their way through the years and alienated a big you know portion of their business and you know it looks like that with this you know coronavirus situation is that they're going to 
probably now see the other side of this and this is kind of like that tipping point for them to kind of like okay well we're not going to have jc penny anymore in our retail landscape yeah imagine where they would be if they were fighters well that or having somebody that really identifies to the core value of what that business provides somebody at the top Yep. So this week, we're going to be talking about growth, and we're going to be talking about the third location, and we're going to get into our topic from there. Is where, like, is the growth? And because from there is where you talked about the FedEx store. Yeah, I assume we didn't go into that much because at, at the post office, that's what I, when I was filing the other day, I realized we were there almost five years, and that's where the FedEx store was. That's where its closing came in. We had to really reinvent ourselves. We had the eBay store. That's where we started buying our first raw goods. What happened there? That's where I got the first uh, smartphone, and that was a game changer. And that was from our first real big account was that Hy-Vee. Well, I think happened there. I think the interesting thing is when what you said is when you were working, you're working at the truck, when you were working trucking, and then you were still in the garage. You said you found a growth plan, and you said you're like looking at it for like a like a long growth up, and yeah, it was like a steady uptrend. But there's also a downside to that too. I never thought about that because. You know, you, you know, because you're you're delaying, because you're delaying that growth. You know, because you need to hit a certain level of of growth to basically to hire yourself as a business. And there's a transition point from a hobby to to a business. And if you're on the slow growth trajectory, there's got to be a downside to that too, because you're with a slow growth tra- trajectory, you're delaying yourself from when you're okay now i can actually hire myself and go and support myself full time do you think there's a downside to that or no downside in what not knowing more that or understanding the growth or downside to the slow growth process well yeah no a couple things one is i thought see when when we split up the business in 2002 and they said, I don't remember the number. I think it was 100,000. No, it was maybe more than that. Let's say it's 100,000. And they said, well, if by giving you the chair business and the accounts and splitting up the company, in our opinion, this is a, a win-win for everybody because we get the shop. We want to head into new construction. We get that. You get the accounts and the restaurant and hotel business. You get the website and and that's about a hundred grand. And out of a hundred grand, you should be able to make make a living. So we think this is fair for everybody. And at the time, I agreed, and that's where we're at now. So I thought that a hundred thousand dollars, I would be able to make a living at it. And I didn't realize the investment that it would take. And basically, well, we didn't make a hundred thousand the first year. First of all. Uh, I think we maybe made twenty or thirty thousand, if I remember right. And that twenty or thirty grand, I wasn't able to stick in my pocket. That basically all twenty thousand dollars went right back into the business, either for inventory, uh, 
computers, buying things, web, diff, different things to grow the business. It was kind of like the uh, aha moment when I listened to that podcast with that lady with a restaurant we were talking about, because she said that she was coming profitable, doing pretty good. And then she added like Sundays or something. Remember, she added like another day and and it gave her a spurt of growth and she grew. But actually, she had less money in her pocket. Remember when she talked about that? Yeah. And that was what it seems like I was always chasing. Like the business was growing, but I had less money. And I didn't really understand, okay, the business is growing. We're trending up. But why do I have less money? And there's two things there. One, it basically takes money to make money and develop and grow a company. And the other thing I didn't understand, it was about 2009, the lady I was renting the building from, and this is advice I'd give to everybody, the lady I was renting the building from said, you need to speak to the SBDIC small business. Is that right? SBDIC small well, business. Well, there's a it's small, part of the SBA. Yeah, there's a small business development center. Yeah, SBDC, you're right. And then because I think because the SBDC, each each locality has their own SBDC and ours for West Michigan is out of the Sideman Business College. Exactly. Yeah. And they're part of the SBA and that's where SCORE fits in. So anybody who's starting out, Highly recommend getting involved with SCORE, SBA, SBDC, something like that. I didn't know about that. She got me going with that. So I sat down with a guy at the SBDC at Grand Valley, who handles it for our area. And you said he's at the Seedman Center? Yeah, it's the Seedman Business College. Okay. And, that's, and when I took my business to him... I think we were grossing about three, three hundred fifty thousand a year, and I thought when I showed up that he would tell me that my business was a hot mess, close it in, and go home, and and that's what I expected, and I was fine with that. That's like that's it's okay. I, I get that, and it probably is a hot mess. And he looked at it and he says, "You got something here," and I and I was kind of surprised and. And it's like, well, you know, what do I got? And he says, you got a viable business. This works. And he says, one thing is, do you understand uh, stock turn? It's like, what's stock turn? I have no clue. And he's like, well, the value of your stock and how long does it take it to sell it and get your money back? Does it take four weeks, six weeks? How much in a year are you turning that inventory? And that stock turn can give you an idea of your profitability. And there's some other numbers we can crunch far as figuring out what your cost should be compared to other businesses. And so that's where I started learning about how to make a profit, what it took to make a profit. So your question about, you know, the slow growth and when I could break away and I and like you said, turn from a hobby to a business and one you you can make a living at it. I thought originally within like a year or two, I didn't understand that it takes a certain amount of money. So 
let's say a term we use in business is keystone. So if you buy it for a dollar, you sell it for two dollars. So it's a hundred percent markup. That's called keystone. So if you want to make forty thousand dollars a year, you're going to need at least fifty thousand dollars worth of profit because you fifty thousand dollars worth of product. I think I said profit, but product fifty thousand dollars worth of product times two be a hundred thousand and out of that hundred thousand you pay yourself forty thousand well now you got ten thousand to pay for your building and everything else and that's the part i didn't understand at first is you know what it took because i thought originally that the piece they gave me would grow a lot faster and i'd make enough money and then it was almost what, seven, eight years later that I understand or started to understand the mechanics to what it takes to make a profit and pay all your bills, pay yourself and do everything you need. So I don't know if that answers your question. It's kind of complicated, but it took me a while to get there, what you're talking about. Yeah, because I think that's the downside of the slow growth method is that if you're just having slow growth, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to support yourself with the business. No, exactly. You will and should be working a part-time or another job unless you have another way of working, uh, sustaining yourself, your overhead and your food. But I think the slow growth is highly valuable because it gives you a chance to grow into the business. Because we talked about, I think on other podcasts, the uh, responsibility as business owners, you know, as far as employees, you ask a question, well, when did you have pay your first employee? And, and what was that like? And when did the reality set in? And it takes a while to grow accustomed to that because you have a million dollar business. Let's say you're doing a million a year. Well, let's make it easy, 1.2 million. So you're doing 1.2 million a year. That means you're doing $100,000 worth of business a month. Well, that means you have several employees, you have a building, you have vendors, you have responsibilities. So that means the first day of the month, you've got 30 days to come up with $100,000 worth of cash. It's all $1 bills times 100,000. You gotta come up with that in 30 days. And guess what? You got to do that next month. You got to do it again. And that slow growth gives you that chance to get comfortable where you can sleep at night and you're good with that. I, I, I've always been glad that I didn't have the quick growth because it takes time to get used to that. The thing is, is you're always going to get passive income, you know, per month because you're going to always have customers that are, are sold into the business and they're going to reorder. You are but it takes a while to generate enough of those customers for that passive income and to keep that wheel going around. Because you're gonna always have people come in that are gonna wanna reorder or, you know, like, for example, like a lawn care service, you're always gonna have contracts that people are gonna keep paying per month. You are, but for example, when we started printing in-house, screen printing in-house, and I think we were on our, second year i remember in a may we did not have enough business to keep our printers printing they're doing like a couple jobs a week so yeah you do have enough customers repeat but it takes a while and it's taken us a while to where now our print shop has enough orders we keep our printers busy 
where, you know, it, it, it takes a while to do that. You started the FedEx store, so there must have been an issue with the, the sales growth, either not getting enough sales volume or the right type of sales. So, so there must have been something that like that you needed to open up the FedEx. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think in the ideal world, because when we were at the third location, which was basically an old store on, on our main street, you know, and we had, what, two, three employees and myself, I did not make enough to where I could quit working full time. You know, the old rule of thumb is, a customer can, I mean, an employee can generate about $100,000 worth of business. And if you're doing a million a year, you have about 10 employees. I think that's a little skewed because of inflation. Your employees might be more like six to eight if you're doing a million a year. Do we have two, three employees and myself, four employees? That means that we should have been doing about five, six hundred thousand a year. I believe that's what we were trying to do was jumpstart and grow to that point because I don't know how else if, if you have a business and it's grown and it's trending up, how you get that spike you hear of companies and all of a sudden like, oh, we got a thirty percent growth that year and and a change of marketing, a new product line, but a lot of times that growth is just one sale after another, delivering a good product and just slowly keeping at it and adapting. And yeah, I think the FedEx store was trying to to jump that, you know, instead of the slow growth and, and one customer at a time, let's do the FedEx store and see if we can get that spike in income. And, and I didn't realize that was basically a whole nother business and it took us away from our core business. Because more uh because companies are more like sharks and like not sharks as a metaphorical bad way, but a sharks shark as in a way that they always need to eat and they need to consume. With a business being like a shark, you need to make more profit you need to make more profit center because the problem with especially with the buying and selling, you're gonna hit a market cap and you're gonna saturate your market because you're not always gonna have a market where people always want to buy flower sack towels or bath linen. So you're going to hit market saturation quickly, whether it's Warby Parker or like Brooklinen. You know, you can only sell so many eyeglasses and bed sheets. Um, you know, in their market categories, you know, people are always going to want bed sheets and eyeglasses and they wear out and break and replace. But certain mar- market areas, you're going to hit market cap and you're going to start getting saturation. And you, then that's when you need to start making new profit centers. So for ACS at that time, you know, you must have started feeling, you know, like you're hitting saturation and either you had to bring on a new profit center or you had to diversify the product line or you had to vertically you know, grow the business, um, you know, is that something that you felt when you're at the third location or? Yeah, I'm not sure if I felt like we were at market saturation because at the time, um, web stores were still fairly, I mean, they weren't new, but there still wasn't the players in it like now, and Amazon's changed a lot. I'm not sure. I, I felt like there was opportunity out there. I just, I did not have the resources to grow and to do those things, which kind of worked out my favor because back then, I think I would have steered the business 
to more, probably more of a retail type of a website where I'd be going head to head with the big retailers, the the Wayfarers, the Amazons and things like that. And that wouldn't have been a good idea. I think the direction we wound up going where we're at now was the right direction. As far as market cap, I thought there was a lot of opportunity. I just felt like I didn't have the resources to capture it. And that's where the FedEx store came in. But actually that did not help us. So what I wound up doing was like you're saying, looking at profitability. And that's where it started coming in. We were looking, because at that time, which we still do now, we were pulling out our seconds. We inspect everything. So I was generating a lot of seconds. And so I started looking at, well, what can we do to be more profitable? And is there a way to get rid of these seconds? Not necessarily sell them, but what about if we make the towels ourselves or we start? So I started looking more more internal profitability at that point after the FedEx. Because, you know, that's, you know, more of the vertical integration by trying to reduce your over it because if you buy a towel you're going to have a markup on that so by trying to reduce that markup it's shifted to you yeah exactly and and that's where i started really working on that and that's where understanding my cost and started working on those uh variables really kicked in so we you know i think the the biggest thing about the you know the third location i really want to touch on was was the growth and kind of the growth of the business. Um, is there anything else that you kind of learned from that third location or? Well, the third location was interesting because that was our first real building or site that we weren't at garage, we weren't running from our house. That's where we opened the FedEx store and we even opened an eBay store for a while. So at one time we were running three businesses and wound up closing the eBay store, wound up closing the FedEx store, had to reinvent ourselves, went down to one employee, made some changes, came back, refocused on what we did, selling quality textiles, uh, providing a good product and a good service and just kind of coming back and focusing on our strengths. And in that location is where we started working on producing our own towels, getting in raw material. That that was at that location. That location was where we landed our first major account where we are generating uh, pallet size orders. We didn't have a way to ship pallets. Everything was packaged. So there was a feed mill next to us and I went over and asked them that, hey, if we make a pallet, would you be willing to use your hilo and load the truck? And they were, they were gracious, they're really nice people. So we would have to put the boxes in a pickup truck or a minivan, drive a couple buildings over, put them on pallets, shrink wrap them, and that's where we landed our first, and that was a uh, national grocery chain. And they ordered, once every three to six months wasn't huge but back then it was huge and because of those orders and because of the uh, payment on those orders i was able to take that money invest in the business and one of the things that i did was i got my first smartphone there and with that smartphone 
then I was able to communicate with the customers anywhere I was at, and I was be able to respond much faster, and that also helped us grow. Was there any other like lessons from suitability or anything like that? Because I feel like you kind of just ran into that location, and in hindsight, was that like the best decision or? Well, yeah, that's a great question. One of the disadvantages were. And I don't know, maybe you can help me with this, explain it. We're, we're not in Indianapolis. And where we're at, to me, would be maybe closer to somewhere in Kansas or Nebraska because we're not as rural as Kansas or Nebraska. So maybe that's not a good analogy. But we are. There's not a lot of buildings here. There's not a lot of opportunity. So... At the garage, we needed to move out and we needed to go to another place and and grow the business. So, yeah, it was good. We gave us a place to where we could get trucks in and out, UPS, FedEx, we could get deliveries. We spread out a little bit better because the size was set up for commercial. Um, you know, it was a retail store, so it had its disadvantages. We talk about uh, waste and muda. Now, there's a lot of waste and muda, but it's more efficient. But our area, there's not a, a lot of opportunities for inexpensive buildings. So it just worked for the time and space we we're in. Well, that and also I feel like too, like the business has kind of grown through like a, like an amorphous. Like you've never had like a business plan or a real clear, I guess, in my opinion from an outsider looking in, not a real clear strategy in the first few years of kind of growing it. It kind of it's centered around this USP of quality products, you know, being delivered at you know reasonable rates, and you're using an interesting vehicle at the time of the the website that not a lot of people had access to. So you're opening up doors to smaller clients instead of them going and, and trying to deal with like a mill and trying to buy thousands of towels because at the time you had like Walmart or Kmart and they they could sell you residential towels, but they didn't sell you commercial towels. So if you're like a bed and breakfast or a pizza shop or wherever you were, you couldn't get the commercial textiles and your other option was to buy them from Cisco or a food distributor or trying to go to the mill. So there wasn't really a lot of options. Now with Amazon and like Alibaba and all these different places, it seems like you can get commercial grade stuff at a fairly reasonable price and you can get it online. So at your t- when you're trying to sell, sell and do your business, you know, there wasn't that opportunity like there is now. And I guess the thing is, when um when you listen to your story and you kind of talk, you know, there wasn't kind of like a growth plan or kind of growth trajectory. It just kind of centered around a couple of these, uh, these ideas and it just kind of seemed to work. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And really, I think any business needs to do that. And I could be wrong. I, I it's just my opinion. I've, I've talked to a lot of businesses. We sell to other businesses. We've had the opportunity to travel and see a few other businesses. And in my opinion, if you open up a uh, restaurant and your specialty is breakfast, let's say, so you're opening 4 to 10 a.m., and you're so you make a business plan and you make a strategy and we're going to do this and we're going to be here 
I, I, my opinion, I think any business needs to be open for change and willing to, oh, okay, breakfast didn't work. Maybe, you know, we're going to have to pivot into breakfast burritos or maybe that isn't quite working and we need to go to, you need to have that flexibility. I've seen it so many businesses that they started out one way and they ended up another way. Uh, yeah, business plan and, and ideas are good. And I see it here with like, you know, what we call SOP, standard operating procedures. They're a good thing to have, but I think you got to bake in that flexibility and try, you know, like McDonald's has, you know, the Egg McMuffin and, and, and they didn't know that that's part of McDonald's now. And at the time they would have never done that. They were all burgers, but then now they do breakfast. And I think you have to bake that into your business. Because when you talk about like your first location, second, and third, it seems like the suitability for what the business needs to be, it seems to be the problem. But, you know, at the same time, is there like a point where you have to sit down and go, okay, well, if I'm going to run a, a import, export, or buy and sell type location, I'm going to need to have, you know, buy and sell type business, I'm going to have to have XYZ before I go and look at another location. Or, you know, do you, you know, do you kind of like make sure that your next location checks certain boxes or is that something that you have to learn along the way of what the business needs? No, yeah. No and yeah. You're right. And I guess that's where I came in when I talked about SBDC, SBDC and understand the mechanics of business, understand the mechanics of profitability. Ideally, if you can get involved with SCORE or get involved with understanding accounting early on, that would be the best way to, to go early on. And then, like you said, understanding your numbers and understanding fixed costs, variable costs, and you know, if I sell this much, I can do this much. And if I take on rent that's 200 bucks more a month, how that's going to affect my business, really that's the way you need to do it because otherwise what you're doing is operating by the seat of your pants and hoping it work. And, and I, I don't support that. I, I think you need to have flexibility, willing to change, but operating by the seat of your pants is dangerous. So I, I agree with you that the right way to do it would be to, to look at your numbers, see if you can afford it and, and take some best guesstimates, you know, where the market's gonna be and where you're going to be. Because, you know, going back to that, cause that might have not, you know, in hindsight, with having a good growth strategy and a good market strategy and understanding those numbers, then maybe that might have prevented you from having to start up that FedEx store and instead of taking two steps back, you could continually taking two steps forward and you could go, okay, well, now I need to hit, you know, say I need to hit $100,000 in sales to get so much profit to bring on myself and pay myself with having a correct, you know, business management or business tool, planning tools, then you can start planning it out. And then you can go, okay, well, at this rate, it's going to take five years, six years, and then you can start charting that, that trajectory, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why if, if, if you're going to 
be a business owner, you're going to get involved. You got to understand the numbers. You got to start teaching yourself accounting. You need to start learning that. I see that in so many cases where um, I can think of some people right now off the top of my head, they just do not understand the numbers, where they should be, what they need to do. And to me, that's a no-go. You just So if, if you start your business and you're doing, making 50000 a year, let's say in sales, you have an Etsy store, now is the time to start understanding those numbers. You, if you're complacent to accounting or complacent to numbers or math, you don't like it, I would almost say don't go into business. You you have to understand the numbers and, and um, you know, to where you can plan that. Because you're right, if, if, if you look at the numbers, maybe we want to open up the FedEx store, want to open up the eBay store and, and uh, yeah, you want to have maybe the effort involved. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. But also I would say, you you gotta know your numbers. It, I, there's a, I wish I could remember his name. Is it Eisman that was the president of Disney? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Eisner. Eisner, that's right. And he wrote a book that when he became, he said in his book, when he became CEO, when he was offered the job as CEO of Disney and ABC. Well, actually, it was before ABC because. On his watch, they combined Disney and ABC. He said the first thing he did is he went back and took an accounting class with a local um, community college, and he wanted to bone up on his accounting skills. That's how critical. If you're going to own a business, you have to have some sense of accounting, and you have to be strong in that. There's just it's you got to remember these are all one dollar bills. You know you're doing fifty thousand a year. You're doing a hundred thousand. A lot of our small businesses they're generating two three hundred thousand. And I think for people forget these are all one dollar bills. They stack on top of each other, and you have to you have to be able to keep track of them. And the only way you do that have is to have some sense of accounting. And then also you know then with going back to the topic of growth, then you can go, you can think about okay well. Am I going to bring in another profit center or am I going to bring in another business center to support that growth or decrease that growth? Um, then you can be more tailored, I guess, to your strategy. Well, exactly. Yeah. And one to cut bait. And it gives you a lot more options. So we've been talking about the third location a little bit. Could you paint us a picture of kind of more like what that that location looked like and kind of give everybody a idea of what that third location was like for you yeah that's a good question because you've been calling a third location a, it's kind of like it's it's the star trek ship you know the the third location and it here it comes zooming in but really it was a tangible building it, you know it, it we described what the second location was like, you know, as a house in the suburbs and had a garage in the bottom. The third location, now I'm going to laugh that we call it that, but that, it was an old strip mall. And it started its life out as a grocery store and a pharmacy, way I understand. So it's a small strip mall like you see anywhere in America that was built in the 60s, I believe. 
because the grocery store wound up building another building behind this. So there's a big parking lot in the back and there's a building in the back and they wound up moving out of the building we were in back there. And that would have been, I'm guessing in the seventies. And then somewhere in the eighties, they packed up from there and they moved down the street to a new building. So in the little town we're in, we only have one grocery store. So they started out in the building we're in and there's a pharmacy. So there is the spot we were in, there's a, a space next to us. So the space next to us, I think was the grocery store. And you might know better than I do because that's where there was, you could see a cooler one. So I think that was the grocery store. Space we were in, no, the space we were in and the one next to us, that was the grocery store. Space next to us was the post office and the space next to them, that's where the pharmacy, pharmacy was on the corner. So there's an end building, that was a pharmacy. There was another store, like a strip mall, you know, this is all one building, another store. And I don't know what that was back in the day. And then there was a post office. And then there was where we were at, Sharon's, you divided and have Sharon's space with that nonprofit. So basically we were in a retail store and our, when you opened up the door, you had to make a decision to go left or right. Left, you went into the nonprofit side of the building, I guess, because the space we rented. And the right was us. And then the building next to us, it's all the same building, the store next to us, that was um, like a little grocery store at the time. And then, then there's a place that worked on cars. So it's a long narrow strip mall, an older strip mall from the 60s. So how did you store all the product in there? Or, you know, how did you set up all the product? It was much like the garage because it was basically like any little store you see in a strip mall. Everybody's been in them like a Dollar General or something small. And you divide it in half because they put a wall down the middle. So one side was tables and office for the nonprofit. And the other side was us. And then we just set set things on the ground like we did in the garage. And then we got a bunch of old banquet tables from a church and we lined them up against the wall. And that's where we folded and, and inspected the towels. And that was the building that I kind of forgot about that you were, the building always leaked. So we made these like tents. We took one by twos in plastic and we hung them from the ceiling. And we had these hanging like, I don't even know what you call them, like kind of tents over our product because the, the roof leaked and that way it would, it would capture the water coming from the roof and then they would puddle up in the plastic, but it didn't leak enough to where it made the plastic bow is just a little bit of water. So it'd catch it and dry up and evaporate. So it wasn't, the building wasn't like, you know, a new building or anything fancy. Yeah, I guess the lesson learned is the no realtor or real estate agent because property is going to be like your, is going to be like the thing that your business re- revolves around. Yeah, and that's the disadvantage we have for our area being somewhat rural. We don't have a lot of opportunity for buildings. There's not a lot out here. So, you know, if I was in a like an Indianapolis or a Chicago or Minneapolis, I think you'd have more options for different places to rent. For us on the west side of Michigan, there's not a lot of opportunity to rent. So it's, it's kind of a challenge to find a place. 
because we've been as we've been telling the story of, of the early days of the company we've been kind of focusing on like the geography of the company like from first location which is your business your basement second was garage the, the third is the you know this retail strip mall um have you ever like really felt limited by the geography like you know if i was here then the business would be better in some ways because business is highly competitive and three quarters of the country lives east of the mississippi so i felt like if we were in indiana or ohio uh, possibly tennessee kentucky then we'd be more central local you know more central um far as shipping and might have better opportunity far as places to rent but this is where we are and have, have dealt with that. So you haven't felt like, okay, well, I need to be here. Or I need to go there to make this happen. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I felt like that would be a good idea, but I didn't want to uproot because one of the things about being here is my network of people that I know, and I wouldn't have that in other state. That's the other thing, too, as a, is, you know, if you're starting out with a business, is the people that you know, your relatives, your friends, your family, you're going to depend on them and you need them to help you far as finding a place to rent, possibly money to loan. Um, although money is the least of your worries. I, I think finding a place to rent or place for trash service or place to get boxes, your friends and family can help you with all those things. and that's something that we wouldn't have somewhere else and that probably that would was the major reason i did not try to relocate or start up somewhere else where it's better to ship was because i the network i have here and granted it's not like i came from a family that's well connected knows a lot of people it's not the case but everybody knows a few people and those few people that you know can help you out in great ways. And and that's what I depended on, I still depend on. And it'd be hard to go pick up the business and move somewhere else. I mean, maybe now we're a little bigger, you know, a few more resources, we might be able to do it. But when you're small, you really need that network. What was it, you know, how long were you there? That's the funny part because I, I'm starting to, somehow over time I've lost track of the dates and and now it's really hard getting those back when and where but i was able to this week to do some checking it looks like we're there about four to five years which to me is a a spell of time and and we're there a while and i guess that's how all the things came to be as different things happen so um we're, you know, I think we've covered it. Is there any is there any other lessons that you learned from moving in that third location in that retail strip mall that you'd like to share or any th- more thoughts on that? No, it's like any business. As you grow, as you find your place, it's just part of your story. It, it wasn't ideal, but it worked for us. And I learned a lot and it was it, it was it was a good place for us and and we were able to to branch out from the garage get our footing I, I learned about accounting I learned that opening up another business to generate income is not a good idea it's going to take away from your core business and that's a lesson that I've been sticking to even to this day you got to stay with your core competencies 
that was a, a good place for us. And then when I met with Dave at SBDC and he taught me how to stock turn and understand my numbers, that was where he said that you need to loan or borrow about $40,000. You need about $40,000 worth of inventory to turn your business so you're profitable and we can get you to where you eventually are working here full time. And that's that happened at that business. And then from that person that invested 40000 into our company, and he said that I'm willing to give you money and put money in your company, but you need to move out of here. You got to get to where you're more efficient because if you're going to grow, being in a strip mall and you're a manufacturer is not going to work. So that's a good segue. So so that's what necessarily kind of kicked off the next move. Exactly. is because of the investment into our company and 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 obviously this is a successful business guy. If he says this is what we need to do, I listen. So then how did that product how did that property search lo- look like from moving from one location to another? That wasn't really decided by me. That was by our investor and he knew of another property from his connections and the price was real reasonable and and it was just awesome. It, because I was sharing a space actually in an industrial warehouse in a manufacturer environment. So I didn't have to lease the whole building myself. I just had a space. So I wasn't responsible for the electric, the water, or anything. I'm just getting a space. And that was huge. And he dictated all that. And it was just right. I was very fortunate. So we can wrap it up up here. Is there any other thoughts that you'd like to share? Not really. I think you covered everything. And as far as that first location, um, it was just, yeah, it, it was a good place for us. And there's there's some memories there and it was interesting. And then we uh, grew the company and yeah, just started a new chapter in the story. Thank you for listening to this week's episode about growth. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Have a wonderful week. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. If you have any questions or want to drop us a line about this show, send us an email to show at allthreadinc.com. That email again is show at allthreadinc.com.